Hey guys, does capitalism have you down? Does the constant pressure to be productive get to you? Are you tired of being a cog in the machine? Then we invite you to be a part of the revolution against toxic productivity by embracing the useless things. Welcome to episode 61 of the Very Unimportant People podcast. Do less. I'm your host, Courtney, and this week I have just another little lovely story of me being awkward in a restaurant for you. Yay! These are my favorite! <laughs> and my name is Lydia, and this week I um, took a bunch of, sn- of things from the road, and I thought that they were wine glasses, and they ended up being snow globes. I really butchered that intro. <laughs> what? Wait, Let me explain. What? Let me explain. What? Okay. So basically, Uh um, there was this person next door to me who was moving out, I guess. And when you put things on the curb, it either means it's garbage or it's free or you're moving in the next like five minutes and you need to just put your shit out there and then leave. So the stuff was sitting there for about a day. And then I was like, okay, I think that this is garbage. So I should be able to go in and take it. It's been a while. So I I like opened up this um, like leg rest thing that you can open up. It has like the top and then an empty middle. And I thought I saw wine glasses in it. And I was like, perfect. I could use a leg rest and we need wine glasses. So that's perfect. So I picked it up and I brought it over to my house and I put it down. And the next day I told my roommate about it. And I was like, yeah, but it was on the side of the curb that wasn't the garbage side. It was on the side of the curb that was the house side. And she was like, oh, you definitely stole it. I was like, what? <laughs> Oh, no. And so every day after that, I was looking out the window to see if all their other garbage was still there. Thankfully, it was. And so finally, I felt confident enough to bring the, I'm going to call it an Ottoman because that's what I've been calling it, but I don't know if that's what it is. It sounds like the right that thing. opens. Yeah. Right? Ottoman, yeah. <laughs> so I take the Ottoman upstairs and I'm like, okay, perfect. Now we have an Ottoman and wine glasses. Amazing. And I open it up and it's full of snow globes. And it's just like, these snow globes from all around the world and I take them out and I put them on the bench and like this bench is like a foot by three feet long covered in snow globes from Boston from Florida from Paris from Prague from New York there was like three from New York there was some from like fucking just everywhere like Berlin and I was like what is happening there was two Taj Mahals as well (laughs) and there was a couple broken ones I know and I was looking at these and I was like I can't believe someone would throw out this memorabilia and I was like I don't know if this was garbage like did uh, that's I what i was rob? thinking did you steal right? someone's collection i was with you yeah. on that it was probably garbage since it was left outside for so long but it seems like an odd thing to throw away totally exactly and i went outside to check on the other ottoman because there was two there was a purple one and a yellow one and um i took the purple one and i left the yellow one because i thought it was a bit grungier and i opened it up at the time where i was stealing the purple one i mean taking <laughs> I <was not> a <laughs> thief. and i opened it and there was like this cube uh, this like glass cube and there was like this old man on it like smiling and like I was like what the fuck that's so weird but I think weird. it was a gift like a memorabilia or something like mm-hmm. that of like a father and then they just gave him like this photo cube to kind of keep as memorabilia and they just put it inside of this thing maybe to take later so maybe I went I downstairs the other day the stuff that was in there I think he might have or or they didn't and they were just like we'll come back later to get it because I opened up the yellow one and it was empty so someone had taken all of the memorabilia from the yellow ottoman, but they must have gone down and seen that the purple one wasn't there anymore. Oh and now God. I have 50 snow globes. <laughs> you should, in the middle of the night, 
put the snow globes back into a bag, keep the ottoman, yeah. and maybe put it on their front porch or something. Yeah, that's yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. It. The issue is now, though, that a couple of the snow globes broke, so I wouldn't be able to return those. And I have chosen five of my favorites, which I now You can keep own. the five favorites. Okay. You think? You think that's okay? I, I think so, because honestly, if I lost 50 memorabilia and I got 40 back, it's still better than not having 50. Right. You know? Yeah. At least you still have some of it back. And the ones yeah, that are broken, maybe so just true. return those ones anyways. Like, it, mm. they could have broken when the people took it out of the house. Honestly, I think they might have. Or, like, it was just cold, or they were shaking yeah. it around, probably. Maybe like, they want to fix it. Happened. Return the broken ones <laughs> yeah. and the ones you don't want. At least they can have some of like... it back. And maybe they'll just put it back onto the end of the, like, driveway, and then you'll know if it was garbage or not. And then I'll know, and my conscience will know. be clear. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, it's okay that I took these, because they clearly just didn't want them. It's, I don't know, it's a little confusing because the person who was moving out, I'm not sure if it's a family home or if it's a house like mine where it's a bunch of different renters living in it and they put out their mattress, they put out a fan, they put out their bed frame, they put out those ottomans, a coffee table, a shelf, so much stuff. Like it was everything that they owned just like on the side of the road. So at this point, a bunch of stuff- or something? I don't know. It's been picked at like a lot. A bunch of the stuff has been gone. It's only the mattress left now. But at this point, it's been snowing for like four days. So it's disgusting. So no one's going to pick it up. Ew, yeah. The yellow ottoman is gone. The top of the coffee table is still there. The, the legs are gone. <laughs> what is with people in your neighborhood just stealing the legs of tables? <laughs> I think it's a strategy because they'll probably come back for the top of the table later because no one will take the top of the table if there's no legs. I so. so I think that's the strategy. Because that that's what happened to my table. They might be on their own. Like, they might be by themselves, and it's easier to carry legs by yourself than it is to carry, like, this flat, like, top. That's what I think the strategy is. I seriously think it's, it's, so it's strange. a strategy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't even know if I were to return the snow globes, if I were to return, like, 75% of the snow globes, would they even find their way back to the person? Because it doesn't look like they've returned for their stuff, or... If they were evicted, like, why would they come back to their garbage pile, like, to pick up a mattress that's been sitting in the snow? So I don't... You should choose one day of the week. Mm. Just choose any random day. And every week on that one day, in the middle of the night, you should put one on their front porch. (laughs) (laughs) Every week. Because you have about 50, so you can do it for an entire year. I could do it for a long time. And just think about... (laughs) I love that idea. Slowly return their belongings. (laughs) One thing at a time. One snow globe at a time. Oh my god. That's so funny. I'm going to do it. But make sure that they like, you know, don't catch on to you because they might start like looking or setting up a camera. You got to be smart about this one. Okay. 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 So yeah, they have a gate. So I probably shouldn't trespass and like go up to the front door. I'll just Mm, put it on the inside of the gate. Like, yeah. yeah. That sounds safe. Okay. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'll let you guys know how it goes. Anyways, yeah, that was what I did this week. Tell us about your restaurant experience. Uh, So I went out on Saturday night to a comedy show. And we went out to the late show, which starts at 10, which is like a really inconvenient time for a show to start (laughs) because it's also at a restaurant. Like the, the place that the comedy show is, is a bar, restaurant, and comedy show. So normally we get food when we go, but then it's like at 10, are you eating dinner? Are you eating a post-dinner snack? You know, it's just like an mm-hmm. odd time. 
So before we went out, I was feeling kind of hungry. So I decided to make myself this like giant salad because even Mm -hmm. though it was large, I was like, salad never really fills you up no matter how big it is. (laughs) But for some reason, that was not correct this time. It actually really (laughs) filled me. I literally ate it like four hours before we went out and we went out and I was still like stuffed when we got out at 10 p.m. Yeah. What was in the salad? Um, Lettuce some chickpeas some uh, croutons there were some filling garnishes in there so i think that's where i went wrong with them <laughs> the also garnishes. god damn it another another side story when we got to the comedy show we got there really early for some reason um and like a lot of the tables were st- still left and before we went in i was like we better not be seated at the front because we're early because they always pick on mm. the people at the front and i don't want that to happen to me because that would Fair be enough. uncomfortable yeah and we yes. go in and the guy who's leading us to the table, I see there's a table at the front, is like, so mm-hmm. I have this table for you. And he points the mm-hmm. table right, literally directly in front of the microphone. And I stood there. <laughs> and I think he saw the look on my face and the hesitation. And he was like, or I can seat you here. And oh. I was like, we'll take this one. And then yeah. the waiter that Much was walking by table. was like, cowards, as he walked by. Like, he literally <laughs> called us cowards. And I was like, wow. Excuse me. The comedians are I supposed to heckle. <laughs> oh, the fucking waiters are heckling you now. Jesus Christ. The couple that came in next, uh, like after us, did the exact same thing too. They were like, no, no, thank you. So I was like, why are you being Oh, yeah. Us? Everyone's a coward. No one Please. wants to get picked on by the comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so we got to our table and I'm still stuffed. But I want something to like snack on, you know, because I'm ordering alcohol. So I need a food of some sort. So I'm looking at the menu Mm -hmm. and I'm a vegetarian, so there's not a lot of options. And literally the only option that I can see that is like something to munch on that will not fill me is a veggie platter, which is a plate of raw vegetables that somebody has cut up that was priced at like $13. Oh, no. I know. I know. This is a scam story. This is like the only thing (laughs) that I wanted, but I was too embarrassed to order it for myself. (laughs) <laughs> so I worked out this whole plan where Janaid was going to order, but he was going to order as if he was ordering everything for us because he was getting mm-hmm, chicken wings because mm-hmm. it makes sense to do chicken wings and like a side veggie platter. But just to order a veggie yeah. platter for one person to just munch away on seemed too much. Yeah. yeah. So I came up with this whole plan <laughs> and Janaid had to order and he was like, we will have the chicken wings <laughs> and we'll share the veggie platter because <laughs> I was too embarrassed. You're like, you have to say <laughs> we. Like, Let's rehearse it. <laughs> no way. You made him rehearse it. <laughs> no, no. I didn't. But so I was very funny. serious about the plan. And mm. so, yeah, mm-hmm, I did get mm-hmm. my veggie platter. It was yummy, but I was very self-conscious of the fact that I went of to eating a restaurant just to a one eat person? raw vegetables. Veggie platter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Like, you go out to a restaurant and you... you want to order things that you can't eat at home, at home. you yeah. know like those <laughs> but to order just like carrots like baby it was carrots literally just carrots some cucumbers some peppers with yeah, a little bit of ranch so, like, chopped up it. peppers 
You probably had like those mini broccolis, like mini cauliflower. Yeah, we had some broccolis. No cauliflower. No cauliflower. Just ranch broccoli. sauce. It was a lot. <laughs> ranch though. in the middle. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was an experience. <laughs> and I'm glad we didn't sit in the front row because if we had sat in the front row and the comics had seen me eating that, I would be toast. I would be <gasps> Do you done. Think they would have said something. <laughs> probably. A hundred percent. Like, who orders a veggie platter for one? <laughs> Dude, that's so amazing. So what are you talking about this week? I forgot to ask yeah, you before we started we the podcast. It at all. So oh, surprise, surprise for everybody. <laughs> this week I am talking about lighthouse keepers. Dream oh. job or nightmare. Oh. <laughs> what was that movie with Robert Pattinson? Yes. And the lighthouse. It's called uh, I think it's literally called Lighthouse. I have it, it in called my notes. Lighthouse somewhere. I thought <laughs> I remember that movie. I watched the first if the movie, let's say the movie is an hour Lighthouse. long. Lighthouse. It's called Lighthouse. I watched most of it. I missed the end. And apparently the end is where all the drama happened. So I just watched this long ass artistic movie. No idea what happened. No idea well, I'll why. I'll give you a synopsis. Then... So it's fine. Perfect. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> kind of, kind of. I talk about the story that it. it's based on. So it's kind of a synopsis. It's based on a true story. Okay, get, let's get into it. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I feel like being a lighthouse keeper is something that is largely romanticized. Um, I saw a TikTok mm-hmm. recently of somebody talking about how it's like her dream job to be a lighthouse keeper. And a lot of people were agreeing. And I don't know. I feel like I just hear people being like, ah, I just want to be a lighthouse keeper. You know, I just want to. Totally. Because you're secluded from society. Yes. You don't so need to benefits. talk to nobody. You can just do your own hobby stuff. Yeah. You can you be get on to... social media for eight hours a day and no one will judge you. No one, especially <laughs> in today's day and age where it's like electric and probably automated. Like you're just. <laughs> You're just you're literally living in a bachelor pad. <laughs> literally. <laughs> you're getting paid for an, to live in an apartment, like a New York City apartment. Essentially, you're just getting live. paid to be there. Just getting paid to <laughs> occupy space in that location. Yeah, Sounds like yeah. a good gig. Let's talk about mm. some other benefits. You get to live by the ocean. You get to work yeah. from home. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> your work is your home, which I guess is working from home. The same thing. Yeah, same it's thing. the original work same from home gig. Oh my god, they did there's, it before we did. Holy crap. There's obviously uh, beautiful views. You get to be out of the city. You get a whole ass mm-hmm. house for the job. Like, you know how it's really hard to buy a house in today's economy? Uh, they could yeah. just Do you have to give you one. live in the lighthouse? Uh, traditionally, yes. I'm not really familiar with modern lighthouse keeping and what they do, oh, but okay. I think they do stay there. I think you have to. You have to. Because okay. we'll get into it, but they're also, like, kind of emergency response people. Oh, okay. So I okay, think you okay, have okay. to be, like, present. Someone has to be present. Hmm. And you either just, that's like, flick a light switch or, like, light a lamp, and that's kind of all you do. <laughs> and in Canada, you can get paid between 38000 and $52,000 a year to be a lighthousekeeper. So oh, it's, like, okay. you know, you don't make, like, tons and buckets of money, but it's, like, a decent living. You can yeah, live on it. Yeah, yeah. And if you have Wi-Fi, maybe you could make a side hustle as well. And yeah, just be definitely. You have on so the much side. time. Yeah, but all you have to do is flick on a like switch. Like the switch That's so... a day. So is this those lighthouses that are literally just one, like, tube? Mm. It's literally just the lighthouse? There's someone like living in that thing? So, yeah, oh. there's normally, like, rooms in the lighthouse. Uh, but there's normally, like, a little kind of building, too, at the bottom. Oh, like, it's not just, I know what like, you mean. It's like little... the it's like the tube cylinder thing where the lighthouse is, and then it's like a little a detachment at the side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's normally, <laughs> like, a little room. But, yeah, somebody is generally, like, living in the lighthouse. 
Um, but it turns out that this might actually not be a great job for a number of reasons. Oh. And in the 1900s, we actually saw a high frequency of madness and suicide amongst lighthouse keepers, which I think is very interesting, interesting specifically lighthouse keepers. And wow. weirdly enough, mostly in Canada on the West Coast. Oh my god, also, that's thing. so cool. That's I, so cool. I wonder what I it think is about that might be because the West Coast is like really rugged. Uh, I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of like shipwrecks and sunken ships off the coast of Vancouver Island, and it's just because of like the terrain. So I think they're just more needed in this area of the world. And there's less okay. like people, so, so there's less like lighting, yeah. you know, like less towns and stuff like that. So I think they're just needed more. Wow, um, cool. And yeah, so they're basically known for going mad, lighthouse keepers, and many people believe that this is because of the working conditions of the job. Uh, so let's talk about some of these working conditions that could contribute yes. to madness amongst lighthouse keepers. So the first one could be that there's a lot of pressure. A lot of the work in lighthouse keeping could be life or death. Um, you're responsible for rescuing people who crash or who start sinking oh. by shore. And, like, sure, you can call the emergency services, but a lot of these lighthouses are located in really remote areas where, like, Mm -hmm. you call them, it's going to take them a while to get there, so you're still, like, the first line of help. And that's a lot of responsibility. Uh, There was this lighthouse keeper whose name was Ida Lewis. Um, Mm -hmm. She was the daughter of a lighthouse keeper on Rhode Island in the 19th century. And she was actually dubbed as the bravest woman in America. In the 19th century, oh because God. of all of the rescues that she had to do. <laughs> um, what? Yeah, rescues? most of the... how big are these ships that she has to rescue? Like, I don't think these ones are too big because it doesn't sound like she was saving like mass amounts of people at once. Like, she just had to do a lot. Like, the frequency was a lot, but it wasn't like yeah. she was like rescuing a hundred men. That's who so sunk off crazy. The shore. Like at that point, you might have to move the lighthouse forward a couple of feet if people keep crashing. <laughs> people are wrecking that much. Shore. It's yeah. not working. That's a great point. <laughs> great but point. she's doing her job of being a lifeguard, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Kudos to her, but it seems like there's a bigger issue at hand that she, you know, maybe she just didn't have the power to like make those big decisions Probably like not. new construction like yeah, yeah they're like you're so brave like, and this was also yeah. the 19th century like this wasn't oh before women had rights eh? 19th century that's the centuries 1800s, are right yes i couldn't remember which way they were i knew they didn't match up with our because we're in the 21st yeah. century yeah that makes sense yes that makes sense. that's exactly yes. what my thought process was too i was like we are in the 21st century and it's 2000 it's right now backward yeah, yeah it is forward okay. so the 19th century is the 1800s and women yes, got rights okay. in like 1940 or something like yes, that. So. So this was before women had rights. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. And she was still the bravest woman. See, mm-hmm. women had some things for them. They could be brave. <laughs> they could be brave. <laughs> and she she actually had to do most of her rescues by herself in a rowboat. Oh. Oh. Um, her first rescue was when uh, she saved a couple of teenagers. No, sorry. When she was a teenager, oh she saved God. four boys whose boat had capsized. That was her first rescue ever. And she rowed out there and she saved them. That's amazing. she went on to rescue at least 18 other people. And she once used a clothesline to help save some guys who fell through the ice in the harbor. What? some men up. That pulled is them out of the ice. so cool. <laughs> oh my God, that's really cool. I just saw a video the other day of this guy 
who this like Olympic athlete who was attempting a ice dive. And so he dug a hole in like, or sorry, he cracked a hole, I guess, in the ice on one part. And then like so 15 dangerous. feet later, he had exactly, he had another hole cracked. And like this guy was... I don't know. He was just testing his limits. He's like an Olympic athlete. So he thought that he was sick, right? So he goes under the water and he's swimming and he's swimming and someone's taking a video of him and they're like, oh, he's going great. He's going great. And the captions, you're reading the captions and it's like, it's going well. He's only five feet away from the ice. And then it's like, he can't find it and he starts hitting the top of the ice with his hands and then the captain's like oh he's getting discombobulated because of the cold and like he's starting to panic because of the cold and because of the ice blah 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 all this stuff and they're like lucky for him he is a professional and he tied a lifeline so he's like holding on to this lifeline like pulling himself faster than i've ever seen anybody swim like pulling himself back up to the original hole and he was he was like looking back and he was only like two feet away from the other hole that he created but like he couldn't find it because he was so discombobulated and the people on the top of the ice were trying to like usher him towards it and stuff but they couldn't he was just so like confused and shit so it's really amazing that she managed to save people from <laughs> underneath the ice if like an olympic athlete can't fucking manage understand these things people. it is so easy in this day and age to survive <laughs> like so <laughs> easy to survive and Fuck. people are out here like purposely trying to eat themselves you know what I think it is? Is that it's so easy to survive that people need the thrill. It's too of... easy. <laughs> yeah. Like, where is the spice? We need to spice it up a little. Where's the drama? Spice. Is it me? <laughs> I need some more drama. <laughs> the drama? <laughs> I also don't understand why that Olympic athlete didn't tie his lifeline to the the hole that he was trying to go to. Because yeah, because then he could have just high... pulled himself up to the hole. Obviously, the spot where he was going to need to be saved was at the other side. It wasn't going to need to be like two seconds after he dived into the water. <laughs> That's so true. That's so and true. And pulling yeah. himself back, it w- yeah, yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. He definitely didn't think that one through. Even though the captains were like, good thing he thought that through. And he like pulled himself back. But Not at that well point, enough. he had been discombobulated for like so yeah. long. What if he was this already guy, out of The oxygen. video was like a minute long. He's Yeah, exactly. And he's just like trying to make it. Oh, God, it was so stressful. And I'm pretty sure you go, you lose oxygen faster too when you're cold. So like and being panic. in the frigid temperatures and the panic. Yeah, it's just crazy. No, people are insane. Maybe that's what Ida had. Maybe she was a little bit of a thrill seeker. <laughs> I think you kind of have to be to be a lighthouse keeper, Diana. So that's probably yeah, true. Seriously. <laughs> um, and she did end up being a lighthouse keeper, not just a lighthouse keeper's daughter. And she was a lighthouse keeper from 1879. So we were right about the century to Yay! 1911. Wow. That's so crazy. All right. So the Good next reason why being a lighthouse keeper might drive you mad or insane or might not be the best job in the world is braving the elements so Mm. oceans do be a little crazy sometimes and storms do be scary (laughs) and like the coast is probably the last place you want to be during a storm near the ocean i'm sure we've all seen that picture of that one fucking lighthouse i think it's in russia i don't know where it is but it's like kind of far off the coast and crazy storms happen and waves come and the waves are literally so big that like they cover the entire lighthouse and it's just this one lighthouse on a lone rock on like one rock how is that structurally sound (laughs) i don't every time i see that video i'm like (laughs) my insides tremble i hate it yeah yeah, my worst fear Um, holy shit 
And so there's a story to accompany this point as well. I have stories to accompany each point. Yay! So (laughs) this story comes from the 1900s in Scotland. Um, That's kind of testament to this whole, like, braving the elements thing might be a little intense. And so there was this guy who was a lighthouse keeper, and he was delayed getting to the lighthouse for, like, his shift or whatever um, in Aline Moore, I think is the place. I think that's how you pronounce it. And so he sent out a replacement. And when a few days later, when he was, like, finally able to get out there, um, he found that all three men that were supposed to be there were gone. Oh, No men there anymore. Uh, Inside the lighthouse, there was only a stopped clock, a knocked-over chair, and one coat. Ooh. Uh. I'm scared. I'm scared. This, this sounds like the beginning of a horror movie or I know, something I know. like that. I know. I knew this would get with you. Just the whole, like, stopped clock. I was like... like yeah, the stopped this. clock was enough. Was like, is the clock stopped? Why did time stop moving? <laughs> um, and there was a logbook that revealed that there had been a storm that had hit the lighthouse when the men were there. And there was record of one of the men describing, like, what was going on. And he was saying that the three men were sobbing and begging God to deliver them from the tempest. <gasps> That's how crazy this what? storm was. And by deliver from the tempest, that means kill them or save them? I think deliver save me them. from the tempest. I deliver us now from all evil. Yeah, okay. I think save. I said save. <laughs> or either back or, you know, just like end this. Make it stop. I think, yeah. Like, make it stop. Holy Whatever crap. way you need to. Make it stop. And so he looked outside and he found that there was some equipment that um, had like had some water damage. And this equipment was sitting 33 meters above sea level, which is as high as a 10 story building. And it oh, had whoa. water damage from the storm. <gasps> Oh, my God. So they did an investigation, obviously, and what they concluded, their theory is basically that the men had left the tower to try to secure down some of that equipment, which was 10 stories above sea level. So they were probably like, Mm -hmm. this is fine. We need to secure this before the storm comes. And they ended up getting swept away by a huge wave. Holy crap. So... Yeah. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. Okay, uh, side question. Are these yeah. stories happening in the dark? Because this lighthouses one, operate at night, right? In the, I mean, they operate at night, but you're there all the time. Okay. Like the light. Okay. I think the light might actually go all the time. Because if it's like stormy or something or foggy, like you still oh, need yeah, the light. yeah, that's true. I don't know if the light ever actually, actually stops. Hmm, I okay. think this one might have been at night. But... I didn't really say. I think the rescues were during the day. I don't really know. It didn't yeah, specify. Yeah. I'm just wondering about how they must have felt in that moment. Because if they could so see scared. what was happening, God. then it would have led up to a lot more fear. But if they could only hear what was happening, mm. it's like, it probably was still just as scary. And they were like, what is that? Like, I remember when we went to the ocean like a while back, it literally yeah. sounded like, I don't even know how to describe it, but like the waves weren't even that big. They were like five foot no. waves. And it sounded like an aircraft was taking off. Like it sounded like a jet was mm-hmm. taking off into the sky every time the waves were like a little bit too big and they went back and forth. So I can't even imagine how like a 33 story like my worst wave fear. The ocean sounded. scares me so much. And I think it's in those moments <laughs> that you like realize your humanity and that like yeah. you really ain't shit. Oh um, yeah, there's a lot of things out there that we can defeat, you know, like mm-hmm. hunger, we can beat it. Sickness, we got medicine. The ocean, no mercy. Mm. <laughs> nope. None. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the uh, weather would not be nice. The extreme weather. Understandable. (laughs) The next point is extreme isolation. Um, Lighthouses often attract people who don't really fit into society. um, Because lighthouses are so famously isolated in remote areas, removed from general civilization and cities and towns. And so you got to kind of be okay with being alone for a very, very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was this one case, this one's nuts. There was this one case on Clipperton Island, which is off the coast of Mexico in the Pacific Ocean. Um, And it's not an island that's like super populated. It has a relatively small population. But in 1915, Mexico stopped supplying trips due to some like uh, political turmoil. So people started starving. Um, and they were getting scurvy oh. because all they had to eat on the island were, like, chickens and their eggs. That's all yeah. they could eat. So, obviously, shit was not good. And yeah, so, a couple bad. men tried to sail to the mainland to get supplies, but they ended up all drowning. And oh. with these men gone and the other men, I guess, that had, had died in the starvation and all that, there was no men left on the island. Except oh for the lighthouse God. keeper. <gasps> oh my god and his name was Vic- victoriano victoriano mm-hmm. alvarez um and so after he realized that these men were gone and that they weren't coming back he grabbed a rifle he grabbed a rifle <laughs> he grabbed a rifle and he threw the rest of the island's weapons in the ocean so he had the only weapon on the island he then enslaved Whoa. all of the women on the island um, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> right he abused them physically mentally and sexually what this went on for two years two years two years two years later one woman named tirza Randon, randon randon um she was finally able to kill him she hit him on the head with a hammer while he was distracted <gasps> and oh the women were eventually rescued God. by a boat that was passing by but he literally had complete power over this island for two years that and no one stopped him so fucking crazy and the, uh, was there no trades happening for two fucking years they I were like live off not. chicken and eggs That's maybe insane. they like forgot they might have like forgotten about the island i don't know it doesn't yeah. sound like it has a huge population maybe they just like don't really care about the people on the island i don't know what it is but yeah they that's just... the craziest fucking story i've ever heard that literally sounds like something like what handmaid's tale was based on or something literally, like that right, right? Like, it sounds like a movie man. it doesn't sound real yeah. and i can't believe yeah. i hadn't heard of that story either because that's like uh, oh, pretty totally. insane like i just takes control over an island for two years complete control that's so fucked up oh man women were women had it so bad like they had no idea how strong they were you know like they were just like okay i guess uh we're at the whim of this man they're just being put down collective for so many power the marxist centuries. dream they had no idea marx probably wasn't even around at that point he hadn't even written the manifesto they were just like we marx are had but written the women. manifesto by 1915 oh yeah you're I right think. he wrote it in like the 1700s yeah that's I think actually you're right, I think you're right. Yeah, he did. He did. He wrote it in like 1750 something. I don't want to say a number because I know it's going to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was the 17. 1800s. Damn it. <laughs> Still, he wrote it before Still, then. Yeah. Still, yeah. Damn, that's fucked. Damn. Um, Damn. So you might that's be really thinking scary. that, sure, lighthouse keepers might be introverts. Um, 
And sure, they might be a little bit isolated. Only an introvert could think of this kind of fucked up thing to do. Yes, stories like this might be a little bit extreme to kind of boil it down to being isolated and introverted and scared, Mm -hmm. I guess, of the weather. Um, So that's where the next (laughs) and most important point comes in as to why lighthouse keeping wasn't a great occupation. I think they've changed this now, but it is mercury poisoning. Mercury poisoning? <laughs> yes. That's how we explain all of those insane stories. Because <laughs> yes. they were po- oh. Basically, this is like I, a, Okay. It's not been confirmed because this theory came after all the lighthouse keepers kind of went crazy. So they have no way really of like <laughs> testing any of the lighthouse keepers because they kind of they're not in those situations anymore, so they don't actually know if this right. is true. But this is, like, the widespread theory that's now held in academia. There's a whole, like, academic sector about lighthouses and lighthouse keepers, which I didn't know. <laughs> that's really um, so cool. Before widespread electricity in the 1960s, um, lighthouse lighthouse keepers had lighthouses, sorry, lighthouses had this giant lens that would, like, spin around and flash light. There was this one specific lens called the Fresnel lens. Um, And this lens was invented and it was like this amazing invention, innovation in the Mm -hmm. lighthouse industry. And it made it so that the flashes could be more frequent and it could spin around really quickly um, with Mm -hmm. little like input. So basically the lighthouse keepers had to do less work, which was good for everyone. Everyone loves that. Now, they were able to spin so quickly and so effortlessly because their lenses, the base of it basically floated on two tons of liquid mercury oh that's like a so lubricant. cool so yeah yeah yeah, yeah really yeah. nicely oh. went around um interesting yeah but this means that evidently the keepers had to touch and breathe in mercury every day oh uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. and it was actually like in the instruction manual that when dirt and dust got into like the mercury bath they had to strain the mercury through a fine cloth by hand Oh my god. <laughs> so, no gloves or nothing. You just hold on to that mercury baby. <laughs> yeah. It's so insane. So yeah. many scholars now wonder if lighthouse keeper insanity is actually a result of the mercury poisoning, not of the isolation. And hmm. mercury poisoning, the symptoms of it are um, memory loss, incoordination, weakness, confusion, and psychological changes, including manic behavior. Kind of makes okay, yeah, that's definitely a yes, yes. I feel like that is definitely a possibility. I like to think that introverts are not all insane and don't all want (laughs) to to rule a colony of women. (laughs) Yeah, that is my hope, (laughs) that is my belief. Actually, that's my belief system (laughs) that they're all they're fine, they just have trouble talking to people. (laughs) Oh, god. Um, so I have two more little I, stories yeah. about... Oh, sorry. You go ahead. That's okay. I was just going to say that I think isolation still could have something to do yeah. with it. Like, after being isolated I for agree. a while, I can see how people can go a little bit crazy. Like, I definitely get why you could increase in, like, emotional reactivity if you haven't, like, felt emotions in, like, three weeks or in mm-hmm. Lighthouse Keeper's cases, like, maybe an entire month or two. Like, it kind of makes sense that they could just, like, quickly snap at something. So, I don't know. Maybe it yeah, was a mercury poisoning. Maybe it's, poisoning. like, a multiplier effect, you know? Yeah. That, like, they didn't help each other. The isolation <laughs> and the mercury poisoning just made everything yeah. worse. 
Um, so I have two more little stories about uh, lighthouse keepers going a little cuckoo. Hmm. And probably because of mercury poisoning. So the first one is a story about a lighthouse called Smalls off the coast of Wales. Um, so with this lighthouse, there was a structural issue from the start. It wasn't a very good lighthouse. And so mm-hmm. the designer, who was Harry Whiteside and a blacksmith, had to travel out to repair it. Um, and a few months after they had gone out to repair the White House, White House, the lighthouse, <laughs> a, the White House, the um, White House, ah. the lighthouse, a cask washed up on the shores. And a cast? A cask. Like a, like a casket? Like a... I think that's what they meant by cask. I okay. literally triple check this. That wasn't the right word. Cask. <laughs> a cask. Look. Okay. Cask. It could be like a like a trunk or something like that. It is a cask. Cask. A barrel-shaped vessel. Ah. <laughs> barrel-shaped <laughs> vessel. Heads. I see. With headings and hoops usually used for liquids. A barrel. A barrel. Okay. Yeah. So a barrel like a keg. washed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, it washed up on shore of the shores of Wells, and it contained a letter written by the designer, who was Whiteside. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had thrown it in the sea. It was basically uh. begging for help as there were so many storms. Um, and he said what? that they would die before the next storm if they did not get help. Oh, and my God. That's so scary. Yeah. And it was like. I guess a huge thing that he had, like, gone crazy and, like, thrown this message into the sea. They basically, um, they had ended up surviving, um, but they weren't able to keep any light on for about three weeks. So they were just, like, Whoa. in complete darkness every night for three weeks. Oh, And they no. went a little crazy and they sent a letter somewhere. So. Message in a no. cask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And then 25 years later. So this is actually... The story continues. This is the first incident that happened at the lighthouse. 25 mm-hmm. years later, two new lighthouse keepers, both by the name of Thomas, were keeping this lighthouse. They were like companions to each other, so at least they weren't alone. Yeah. Um, and one night, people saw somebody putting out like a distress signal at the lighthouse, but the weather was like too rocky and too bad, basically, to go and see what was wrong. So they couldn't get to no! them. But a lot of people say that when the distress signal was going, they could see a lighthouse keeper standing at the railing. Just, like, chilling. He wasn't really, like, waving. He was just kind of, like, standing there. Okay. Um, That's weird. And so a few weeks later, they were able to, like, get there and see what happened. And basically what had happened is that one of the lighthouse keepers had gotten sick and died. Um, And so the other one was basically stuck there with the dead body of his companion. Oh no, and honey. He <laughs> couldn't oh, throw no. the body out to sea because he knew that if he did that, he would probably be suspected of murder. That would be pretty right. suspicious if he just like got rid of the body. And there's not really anywhere to like bury a body oh, where a lighthouse no. is. So he ended up, um, the body was like started to like decompose and stuff like that, and it was in the apartment. So he made mm. a coffin basically, and tied it to the, like, railings of the tower. And mm-hmm. it ended up staying out there for three weeks. And so he was basically alone on a small rock with a dead body. And he, like, was pretty much went crazy after that. People say that they didn't yeah. recognize him when he was finally rescued. And mm. they also say that, like, 
the way that he like had tied the body kind of looked like the dead guy was like waving almost and that was the body that people saw when they put out the distress symbol on the railing was actually (gasps) the other thomas who had been dead just chilling there oh god and this is the story that had inspired the movie lighthouse which starred rob pat he was the alive thomas he killed the old guy he didn't kill him. He got the old guy got sick. Oh right, and he died. got sick and he died. <laughs> he killed him. Sorry, he just sorry, didn't sorry. want to be suspected of murder. And then he went a little Holy crazy. Holy fucking shit! Yeah, that's so sad. I can't believe no one came to their rescue for like three weeks. Was the weather really that bad for three weeks that no one could come so. and rescue them? Yeah, so this is you're like really on your right own now. out there, man. And also, that's really sad. A good old good story from BC. Story, it is good. Yay, it's a scary story. Um, so there was a lighthouse keeper named Brown, William Brown, on BC's Bolinas Island um, that had to actually be committed to an insane asylum in 1905 after sending a strange telegram to his colleague. Now, I couldn't okay. find anywhere on the internet what was contained in this telegram, but <laughs> it was strange, apparently. And his wife had also <laughs> reported like him being like aggressive and weird. And so a month after he went into the insane asylum, he was released back out. He was treated. Everyone was like, wow, you're so much better. You're not actually a crazy man. You're fine. You just like had a nervous break. And he went back to the lighthouse and then he ended up having to be recommitted in 1906. Oh, well. So that's where the belief of the (laughs) mercury poisoning (laughs) comes in because basically they removed him from the area for a number of months and he was fine. And then they put him back in the situation and he went crazy again. Okay, okay. Definitely could be the mercury poisoning then in that case. But he wasn't he was also not solitary confinement when he was at home no, like doing his treatment or anything. Like yeah, exactly. So And at the lighthouse he had a wife too. Oh so that okay. kind of removes like the social isolation a little bit mm, and puts okay. it more on the mercury poisoning. Yeah, you know, they definitely shouldn't have mercury in those <laughs> bitches. That's so crazy. And so this is probably why we have so many ghost stories about lighthouses, because a bunch of lighthouse keepers in the 1900s uh, went crazy and uh, unalived themselves because they were all suffering from mercury poisoning. Oh my god. So in conclusion, (laughs) it might not be a great job. No, I don't think so. Canada, interestingly enough, is actually having a lot of trouble employing lighthouse keepers. There's like a lighthouse keeper shortage. When I was Googling lighthouse keepers, like going crazy in Canada, so many articles came up of like present day Canadian government can't find lighthouse keepers. Lighthouse keepers, wow. (laughs) And they're saying that it might be the end of lighthouse keeping, which is probably fine because it's an automated system. (laughs) I don't know why they need to be there. We could easily automate that job. We don't need Mm -hmm. men to go do these and fill these positions. Just automate it. And there's we don't no need more people going insane. So, like, yeah, that's okay. removed, but it's still, like, socially isolating. But at the same yeah. time, like, COVID has essentially made every one of us a lighthouse keeper. So, yes, <laughs> we're still we are all our own lighthouse keepers. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well get paid to sit at home. Might as well get paid 50K to sit at home. Right. That's true. Because if you're a lighthouse keeper, I mean, it's not like you don't have Wi-Fi. Like, you probably will be able to get some sort of signal out there, right? Maybe. 
There's yeah, pipes no, across the Atlantic that give you Wi-Fi, so why wouldn't you be able to get Wi-Fi to your... I'm sure yeah, you could exactly. get... It might be slow Wi-Fi, but I'm sure you could get some kind of Wi-Fi. Yeah, you could probably watch movies, buy DVDs. DVDs. <laughs> yeah, man. Buy some CDs, vinyl. <laughs> you just have, like, this really cute, like, vintage loft in the lighthouse. <laughs> bring your little pet. Bring your little cat. Bring a friend. Anyway, yeah, lighthouses are fucking insane. Fucked up. Yeah, don't be a lighthouse so keeper. Scary. Don't romanticize lighthouse keeping. Everyone goes creepy. Oh my god, I'm definitely going to be telling these stories at the next campfire that I'm at. Because these are really, really freaky. Like, I could All definitely see this scaring. Clock. Yeah. Don't yeah and story. one jacket. <gasps> 30 oh stories high. There was a, a couple of tools waterlogged. How is that? Uh, you may be wondering, little children, what does it mean to be Little children. <laughs> Wait, you're what camping with kids now? What is story? I, if I was a camp counselor, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's good shit. That's good shit, man. Creepy. Creepy, but very good. Thank you. Yeah, I don't want to be a lighthouse keeper. I'm not going to lie. That has never been my dream. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. I'm okay. Thank uh, you yeah. for the offer, but I... <laughs> I'll pass at this I time. Decline. After I saw that one picture that once of that one lighthouse that we discussed, mm-hmm. I was like, I never want to go to a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Can I you imagine that all me. night or like for days at a time, just your entire lighthouse just being destroyed by waves and you never know yeah. if the next wave is going to be the one that takes yeah, down the Yeah, which one lighthouse. is the one? There's obviously yeah. going to be one at some point. Mm-hmm. You can't do it forever. No. No, thank you. Okay. No, thank you. Welcome to the second half of the podcast, everybody. Um, This week, I want to talk to you guys about how I think that we should bring back landlines. And I think that (laughs) I really miss them and that they were a lot of fun. And I'm going to take you through some reasons why we should bring back landlines, why they're super great for you. (laughs) This is such a little opinion. (laughs) They are so cool and cute and functional. And I want one in my house as soon as humanly possible. I had a landline as a kid. And I remember... Um, one of my like earliest memories, I think, as a kid with a landline was calling like a friend that I just made and her dad answered and I was like, hello. And he was like, hello. And I was like, hello. And he was like, hello. I was like, hello. (laughs) He was like, who is this? Can I help you? I was like, this is Lydia. (laughs) He was like, just didn't understand the concept of conversation. (laughs) not at all i have no idea how to talk to this person like what's up like i thought my friend was gonna be on the other side of the phone for some reason i was like what's up (laughs) he's like did you want to talk to my daughter i was like yeah (laughs) sure it was so awkward and like my parents were there to witness that and afterwards they were just like listen like when you do that on the phone you need to introduce yourself you need to say who you want to talk to like you don't know who's going to be picking up the phone you're calling Yeah, exactly. You need to give these people these kinds of information. And that is kind of a learning curve for me. And I feel like simple, basic conversation skills or phone skills, maybe, that I learned as a child are the reason why today I can call a dentist and I can make an appointment. I can call anyone and I can make an appointment and I can ask a question and I don't really get phone anxiety. I don't know if that's just a me thing, though, because I know a lot of people who grew up with landlines and still don't like talking on the phone. But I think that we have landlines to thank for these, like, really (laughs) basic, basic things that I feel like some other people 
might be lacking because their landline doesn't exist. And over the past couple of months, I've really been feeling the urge to get a landline. Um, it's mostly been like nostalgic sense of just like being able to hear the ringing through the house, running to pick it up before the ringing ends, and then having a conversation with someone on the phone and like just dedicating all your attention to that one conversation. Like, I don't know if this is a form of procrastination that I'm really romanticizing, but I just like the like, idea I just need an of excuse to not do anything to just talk or, to a like, friend. And right. And it's like, is it, an ex- is it an excuse to not do anything or is our life being taken over by hustle culture and by needing to constantly be doing something? And can you not just enjoy talking on the phone with a friend without having to have some sort of other activity going on? Like, obviously, yes. Just dedicate all your time to your (laughs) (laughs) And I also kind of miss not knowing who is calling. (laughs) I don't know if this is like a common thing, but I know my parents would disagree with me on this because we used to get a lot of telemarketers. Yes. And they would not pick up. If the phone rang between like five to seven, you yeah. pick it up. You're like, nope. no, no, <laughs> that wasn't the time to call. Don't touch it. Once you pick up once, they call you back sevenfold. <laughs> you can't risk it even once. But I kind of miss the not having the like caller ID and then like yelling across the house to somebody and being like, the phone is for you. And like even the little interactions within like the family and within my family is like just like booking it across the hallway or something to the phone be like i'll get it i'll get it if you like you know your friend is calling you or like your parents come home and you're like grandma called and like she wants you to call her back like just these little things i feel like are completely just disappeared in Mm. any like connection like that i may have had with my family like i feel like we talk a lot less because we don't carry messages kind of yeah like i think it really took away something when we got our own like private phones and then when we started to just communicate on those and like you couldn't like they only know the names of my friends who used to call the house i don't know if anyone else has this problem like do your parents know any of your recent like names of friends or like i'm at the point where i don't even bother telling them who the names are because they won't remember it's just a friend <laughs> yeah exactly i'm like oh they're from college oh they're from this other oh, from that but they don't know a single new Aww. friend i've made like they are so bad at remembering Do names name? like even friends that i've had for years even some of my high school friends they're like they who is that name? again kind of just oh, because no. we had pr- just because we had prom we at your together. place though i know and we were literally roommates and they they're were still roommates. like uh, and they were roommates <laughs> <laughs> and they're still not a hundred percent sure like which one is which you know <laughs> like they don't really know the only names that they really remember this could be like an old age thing as well but the only names they remember are the people who used to call the house and they oh. would be like hello this is blah 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 is lydia home and they would be like oh yeah totally she's home let me <laughs> give her the phone to you you know <laughs> um so the connection you know that conversation i feel like is kind of gone and kind of missing and it's nice to have it's nice to just like have an excuse to say something to someone sometimes it's like you, you just be like hey i'll get it <laughs> phone for you yeah it's like a way to be involved in each other's lives because when you have your own yes. private phone you don't know who's calling who you know mm-hmm. you get those little that little bit of involvement even like yeah. if a family friend calls to be like even if they're calling for your parents you know you get that like little interaction to like pass yeah. the phone off that you don't get now and did you, you ever call your parents directly <laughs> And that thing where sometimes my parents, we used to just like put the phone on speaker and just like all sit around the phone. 
and like listen to like an aunt or an uncle or something like that just like telling us about their lives and we would all like talk and contribute okay well that's what it was like in my house and it was like the home phone was like such a central social point in the house and like it still kind of is but like it's only really for family now which is fine but it's just I don't know I just kind of miss it like I don't pick up the home phone anymore you know because I know that like my parents are probably just going to get it later like I'm never the one to pick it up which is I don't know I kind of miss it it's kind of sad a little nostalgic and in doing a little bit of research I found that others some others want to return to the landline as well and most Mm -hmm. of the articles that I found were actually dated for 2020 a couple months into the Panasonic and I don't (laughs) think that this is a coincidence I feel like people got sick of their screens pretty quickly and may have also been feeling an urge to go back to simpler times where Mm -hmm. if you're having a conversation with someone it was the only thing you were doing and it wasn't Mm -hmm. like this existential dread (laughs) and also just like talking with people only on the phone like having no other option but to call someone and hear their voice is something that was missed i think it like yeah i think there was definitely more conversations that were had and like more more interaction because it's so easy now to like text somebody or even to like check someone's social media to be like hey Is this person doing okay? Are they still alive? Are they doing things? And it feels like you're checking in on a friend, but like the snap maps. No, yeah, they have no idea that you're like thinking exactly. about them in any capacity. Exactly. You can't just call them up and be like, hey, I haven't heard from you in a week, you know? But if you, you in this have? world, if you haven't heard from someone in a week, you could just like literally check in on their snap maps and be like, okay, they were active 20 minutes ago. They're obviously <laughs> They're fine. fine. <laughs> um, so, multitasking. It may seem more efficient, but if you're on the phone while you're doing dishes, driving, walking through a grocery store, evidence shows that productivity, efficiency, and accuracy all suffer. One woman, uh, Reva Seth, who did the landline experiment, is what they are calling it. (laughs) Yes. She said that at first she really struggled to um, just pick up the phone and just sit and listen and not really do anything else because you're kind of tethered like if you have a phone with a with a cable you're tethered to that one spot and the 10 feet surrounding it and you can't really be doing any other activities at the same time and she said that she had issues struggling to sit and just listen and just focus on the conversation without feeling that she should be doing something else but over time her brain got used to doing only that and she said that the quality of her conversations and personal connections got better she also found that using the landline for only or for her work helped her shrink down the number of calls she was having since she actually needed to be present at the desk to take the calls. So Mm. she would set healthy boundaries and it really helped her with that. And she would start to do this thing, which I think we should all do, which is ask, do we actually need to have a call about this? You know, can this entire topic be an email? (laughs) (laughs) She said she would politely ask. She would like, I would politely be like, do we need to sit down and have an entire phone call about it? Because she knew in her head that like Mm. sitting down and committing time to her desk is totally different than when she used to be able to take calls, like doing the dishes, walking the dog, blah, 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 all this stuff. Like we've all been in that situation where the conversation that you're having on the phone, the 30 minute meeting could have literally just been summarized in an email. (laughs) And also something kind of nice is that studies have been showing that by paying extra attention to seemingly mundane tasks, you actually strengthen your ability to live mindfully in the moment. 
and paying more attention to those things leads to greater fulfillment about your day. And they say that you can practice this, right? By just listening to the noises created by your movements, like if you're folding laundry or something, and just watching each task that you do. So cool, right? It's good for your mental health too, to have a landline. Another pro is safety. Landlines operate on a copper wire that go through the ground. And don't ask me how, but they work when there is a power outage. (laughs) And they're more reliable than cell phone towers, which are power operated, can shut down in emergency situations, blah, blah, blah. Let's reverse. What? They're more reliable. work? Cell phone towers? There's no electricity? Cell phone towers? No. Landlines? Yes. (laughs) Swear to God, you have to plug a landline in. You have to plug a landline in um, to this specific type of cable. Yeah. Isn't there also? Is there also, also a plug? I honestly don't remember. When there's a power outage, so only for so long, though, girl. How long is that battery gonna hold you over <laughs> <Not> for? <long. laughs> Three hours? <laughs> Not long. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Girl, Not I a long hear time. You. you got us all the twenty-five minutes of talk time before she's done. <laughs> um. Also, it's easier to trace 911 calls with the um, like landline function. Mm-hmm. Some cell phones actually cannot be traced. So spooky. Um, also, the sound quality is better. And if you ever get into the situation where you need to call into a radio show for an interview, they'll often ask you for a phone call via a landline because it's more reliable. The sound doesn't drop out and it's just uh, better overall. Cool. Eh? I- you like, might find I yourself in that we're situation. we're not having an interview. <laughs> we don't have landlines. <laughs> we don't <get> a landline. <laughs> They're so expensive. Yeah, that's the thing, is that sometimes they can be really expensive. And the websites that I was looking at, they were like, it's only $3.95, like $3.95 as an add-on to their TV and cell phone plan or something yeah, like that. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. So you're paying $95 a month for yeah. useless cable. For a landline. Like, don't tell me it's only three dollars. You can <laughs> get like, paying, like Bluetooth phones that you can Bluetooth. It like basically forwards your call to like a landline esque thing. <gasps> so you just use your cell really? phone, but you can still like answer calls Ooh. on like a landline. <laughs> oh shit. Say no more. I'm definitely getting go. one of those. That's so <laughs> cool. I did not know that. That is so cool. Good to know. Um, I would love to have like an old school type of uh, phone mm-hmm. where I could just like hold the thing and it has like a cord and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the sound and audio would be better though, because Probably. yeah, I think it would be maybe, no. maybe a little bit, maybe the it's mic would pick like it up Bluetooth better. Bluetooth thing and cell phone cell towering. Phone. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to give it a go. Give it a whirl. Okay, <laughs> will do. That'll be my next experiment. So ergonomically, the landline is also better for your hands. The microphone and speaker placement makes much more sense than a smartphone. (laughs) Like they're kind of in the same spot, but they are missing maybe like Mm -hmm. a solid eight inches or something like that. And this kind of made me wonder too, um, if the reason that smartphones are getting bigger is because they need the mic to be closer to the mouth. And it's just getting closer and closer with each iteration of smartphone 10, smartphone X, and they're just getting it closer and closer to your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Until you're eventually just holding a landline in your hand. (laughs) The more things seem to change, the more they stay the same. 
And you got a point there. That's a very valid theory. <laughs> Thank you. His cell phone is morphing into. Laughing. Yeah. Literally. So this other woman, Griffin Winnie, um, who did this experiment, this landline experiment for Bustle, said that um, they longed for the days when staying connected with your loved ones was a privilege, not a Aww. lifestyle. The smartphone also. Yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't get the last part. <laughs> I don't get how it's well, a lifestyle now. I but, okay. think. I kind of understand how it's a lifestyle because, like, I don't live at home, but I have a group chat with my family. And, like, I always – they're they're always sending stuff and they're always, like, saying this and saying that. And sometimes it's just about stuff that's going on at home. And it's not really, like, relevant to, like, my life really. So sometimes I just, like, won't answer for, like, days at a time. And I feel – like I have too much access almost because now I feel like I don't need to call home as often because I technically know what's going on, except it's only a one-sided conversation. So it would be nice if we could actually like have a call, but sometimes <laughs> I don't feel like it's necessary and they don't, yeah. no tea, no shade, but they don't call me either because they'd be sending Called out, out these <laughs> mass group texts all the time. And they're like, well, she's in the know. She's in the know, but really I'm not. And if maybe if I had a landline, things would be different. But also I would have to get rid of my cell phone too, because then I would be a part yeah. of the group chat. Yeah. Maybe if I leave every single group chat. And I'm like, just you have, to, you have to go 100% or not at all. It's get rid of the cell phone and get a landline. Because mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel I like you just can't like... get the benefits from it if you still have your cell phone. Because people are yeah. still going to be texting you. I know. That's the and, like, thing. And you're still going to be on social exists. media. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I do you think your life would be data. so much better. I think everyone's life would be so much better if we like got rid of cell phones and went back to a landline. Yeah, but I think so too. I think it's very difficult. Yeah, it's very, very. Difficult. If I don't have data and if I only have texting, I think that that could work. You text me on one number and you can call me on either the cell phone or another number, my home phone, which I, I will definitely are still answer. Just gonna text you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Texting is really just taking over the world. It'd be cool, though, if people could call me on the landline. That'd be so sick. Oh, so anyway, this woman, Griffin, she was saying, or man, they were saying that the smartphone has just kind of become a reminder of all the things in your life, such as the money or lack thereof, the money in your bank account, the unread messages, the friends we've left behind, the unfinished projects. I know. I was like, ugh. God, how do you know that I'm looking at this? How do you know that broke people want landlines? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> the unread emails, the unapplied for job openings. Mm-hmm. Every time you pick up a call, you pick up your phone, it's just a reminder of all of these things. There's no hiding from the notifications. There's no hiding from your life with the cell phone. And this obviously leads to burnout. The landline has physical boundaries. You don't have to subject yourself to the entire internet every time you take a call. It's true. true. You don't need all of the information ever at you every time you open your phone. But it's always there. We never are free. Um, And I think we all kind of have this fantasy of like smashing our phones and being like, I don't fucking need to do this anymore. Oh, yeah. that'd be so nice. But right then, it's like you need to replace it. You can't just live anymore without a smartphone. And uh, as a tweet I said, I read once said, I'm going to call it a proverb because honestly, I live by this. Once Twitter and TikTok die, I'm not downloading any new social medias. I'll just That's be it. free. <laughs> I honestly, I 
support this. <laughs> I support this message. I agree with you. I can't do it. There's no more. There's no more. They all yeah. suck. They just drain you. Yep. And if we just don't transition onto them. <laughs> then we'll we won't ever have to do it. Them. I feel like a lot of my opinions end in this kind of way where I'm like, fuck social media. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> they all kind of have the same underlying message that like social media is ruining my life. I don't maybe know. You should get off social media. Maybe, maybe. But I communicate with a lot of people on social media. Like, I, it's pretty but nice. Like, like I wouldn't have a friend or two to date if I didn't have, like, Instagram to communicate with them, you know? I guess so. But if you're just communicating with your friends over Instagram. Are they how, really your friends? How friends are they? You're right. How you're much right. friends They could just text me. But it helps with, like, reconnecting, I think. Like, if I hadn't seen someone in, like, five years, and then they're, like, this th- this kind of recently happened to me, and then they're, like, oh, my God, you, like, moved he- near me. Like, want to hang out? And now I have a new friend. So, you know, I feel like that wouldn't have been possible without Instagram. Fair enough. Yeah, I guess so. There I'm are sure. some pros. There are a lot more cons. Yeah, if you didn't have <laughs> Instagram. Like, everything it's in true. life. Like everything in life, you know, we can't just have it one way. There's always going to be something that's tethering you to that thing. Anyways, so landlines, (laughs) we're almost there. Landlines give us the chance to practice patience. Hmm. You're calm, you're collected, you're being patient with someone on the other side of the line, and you have a chance to, like, it's almost meditative to only focus on one thing at a time, you know, only focus on one conversation at a time. They also give you insight into your family life, like I was saying before. So maybe even if you hear your parents like talking on the phone before one of them gets home from work or something like that, or anyone else in your family, aunt, uncle, like step sibling, stepsister, whatever, um, you get some insight into that relationship. And they, in return, can also know about stuff that's going on in your life. And that has all kind of been replaced by silence and by texting and by being immersed in your phones and like mm-hmm. i feel like it's an invasion of privacy sometimes when like i ask my friends who they're texting i do it anyways but sometimes i feel weird about it <laughs> like so who are you talking to and like it it's just nice that the smartphone and if i were to get a landline i would encourage everyone to call me online landline even for simple things, such as Aww. even for simple things, like if you were like, I'm going to text Lydia, just call me instead. We could have a two second conversation and it could be 10 times more fulfilling than texting me because sometimes you don't get a straight answer when you're texting me. But if you call me, <laughs> I don't have a choice but to give you a straight answer. <laughs> mm. um, and... Yeah, I feel like if I were to get a landline, I would be just excited about using it as well because it's kind of like talking on the phone is only sometimes a preferred way of communicating. Like most of the time I would prefer like texting or like a quick message or something like that. But I'm kind of excited about being able to talk on the phone again if I do get a landline, (laughs) which is nice because that doesn't, it doesn't happen a lot. Normally when people call me, I'm like, oh, fuck. (laughs) But if I hear the phone ringing, it's this whole other experience of like mm-hmm. holding on to a phone and then um, just like having a break almost from life. And it's better for your mental health too. And one final point is that uh, someone who was doing their experiment, which I think this would happen to me too if I were to do my experiment, 
is that they got to doodle again. You can't Aww. doodle when you're on your phone, when you're on your cell phone. And recent research actually shows that doodling stimulates the prefrontal cortex by increasing blood flow to that part of the brain. And it has the same psychological and emotional effect as when we laugh or eat chocolate. Doodling makes you happier. Doodles. Yeah, more creative and more relaxed. <laughs> so cute. Together. I know, right? And like, these are all things that you can accomplish and it gives you the time to be able to doodle. Although I don't know if that takes away from the conversation because technically you are multitasking at that point if you're like drawing an intricate picture of the mountain. I think it's like a mountain. thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Maybe if it's not, yeah, don't. <laughs> if you're like working on a masterpiece. Don't Picasso, like. <laughs> Picasso, doodle's fine. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. What if you're just doing swirlies or something mm. like that? Yeah. So my question is, yes. if I got a landline, would you use it? Would you call me, Courtney? Uh, yeah. Yay! Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's what you want. Sure. Woo! I would love that. I would love that so much. Oh, one final thing that I didn't write down, but I think is mm. maybe important to add, is for um dating. So Ooh. if... You have a landline. You yeah. kind of have the secrecy of being able to get someone else to answer the phone. And even if you are home on like a Friday night, they can be like, oh, sorry, she's not home. She must be out. <laughs> when is she going to be home? I don't know. <laughs> right? You can have a little bit of you mystery. Really thought a little bit of secrecy. Through. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I have it all planned out in my head. So just for that side of things. Do you really think boys in 2022 suitors will call, call you me on your landline i don't think the so. one who I calls you on your landlord wish. is the one call you would need to answer you wouldn't need to pretend you were out on friday night that is, <laughs> that is the man right there. yeah you're right the one that you're was willing t- to call you on the landline <laughs> yeah you're right it's a good test it's a good test it to is, see if we're is. truly compatible okay boom, i'm getting it i'm getting it you've convinced getting me a landline. it all it took was one it's semi-convincing so sentence I don't know if that's what I want you to do. I know. It makes it you happy. So you should do it. But no, I genuinely don't have the money. Like it. I might as well save up for like rent or something like that. I, I should be buying food instead of investing in a goddamn landline. But I want the phone so badly. You can I want get the it phone so badly. And just hook it up to your phone. Get but phone what if they don't have the phone. cute ones? <laughs> you can't have everything. No, I want it all. <laughs> You know what I miss about landlines hmm. is answering machines. Old-fashioned answering yes. I was thinking about this like two weeks ago, about how when someone used to call you and leave a message, it used to just play out loud. Yeah. And you could decide in that moment if the call was worth your time or not. And you could, and you answer could pick it a up call in the middle. In the middle yes. of a message. Yes, yes, yes. And be yes, like, yes, oh, yes, wait, yes. never mind. I want to talk to you. Or yes. you could just be like, mm, not home, leave a message. It was great. Yeah. It was great to see. And now we that. don't get that option. <laughs> no, I have to. There's a notification on my phone for like three days, and I have to log in and type in a password. Just understand oh that there was a telemarketer. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's like, hello, Courtney, you have won a uh, vacation. <laughs> I hate that shit. I hate it so much. And it's like, no one listens to their goddamn voicemail anymore. And voicemails are such a vibe. Like, and I get it. I don't listen to my voicemail either. But if I could, I would. If I had an answering machine, I'd be listening to that voicemail. I remember like my parents would like call the phone sometimes and like they knew it would play out loud and like the message would just be them going, hello, (laughs) hello. (laughs) 
like yelling yeah. through the house. Answer! Yeah. <laughs> Pick up the phone! Yes! Yes! Oh my god, my parents did that too. They're like, Lija, are you home? Oh. If you're home, answer. It was like having an Hello? intercom into the house. It was great. <laughs> Dude, that's so good. I love that shit. I really miss those days, man. I really miss those days. And a lot of people online were also accusing people who want to go back to getting the landline or whatever as Luddites, which I believe means um, like hating new technology and like not wanting to be a part of it and like not subscribing yeah, to new, new technology. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm it's okay not made that. anyone's <laughs> life better. We've been through this. We've... T- <laughs> we don't need to go we're over not this any happier we're Listen still to working. episode Everyone one through life. 60 <laughs> yeah we, it doesn't matter <laughs> innovation doesn't matter doesn't and make it. anyone's life better it's all <laughs> a farce <laughs> literally uh, so yeah i'm looking into buying a landline and now that i know that i could get a bluetooth one even better because i did not want to start paying 60 bucks a month for just like a landline that someone will call me on twice yeah <laughs> I'd rather not. Maybe not. But the issue is then that you have to have your phone near you. It's just not yeah. really the same experience as like just purely the landline. I guess you could turn it into that though. You could easily just turn it into like sitting there and talking to someone and like not going on like your email at the same time. But it'll take some discipline, I think. But I think it's possible. I would like a little meditative moment like our podcast where we just focus on the podcast and there's like really nothing else going on. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Just sit down and have a conversation. Yes, exactly. Learn some new things. Hear each other out. Chat. It's a good time. This is our landline. This is a the podcast. <laughs> the podcast Every the episode landline. has been leading up to this moment where I realized that I <laughs> want a landline. And that brings us to the end of the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's opinions about how lighthouse keeping should not be your dream job. <laughs> I repeat, do not work at a lighthouse. And how landlines should make a comeback, baby. Bring back the landlines. If you want to hear more of us, you can find us on our Instagram at very.unimportant.people. And you can also find us on our Patreon, which is on our Instagram um, in the link tree. And we'll just click on the Patreon and you'll get there. And we post behind the scenes. We post video highlights. We post video uh, deleted scenes, which is basically like a second podcast. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of fun. We post like personal stories and stuff like that that we don't want to include in the public podcast. So come get to know us on our Patreon. And you can follow us on Twitter at TheUnimportantPPL. You can also email us if you're an artist at HatersClickHere at gmail.com. We would love to get some music on this podcast. Mm. Let us know if you want your song featured and if you want our fans to hear it. I'm sure they'd love your music. And finally, you can find us on TikTok. You know what to do. Go find us on TikTok. Go spread the love. Thank you. Yeah, search us. Thank you so much for all the recent love about the previous podcast episode about euthanasia. We really appreciate it. You know, it was a serious podcast. We were taking a risk and it paid off. Yay. Because it's getting some good responses. Courtney had a solid opinion. (laughs) And that is hell yeah. Look at us. 58 episodes (laughs) later. Only took us 58 episodes. I know, right? So thank you so much for tuning in this week and have a great day.